Well, this morning we conclude our impact series, but that does not mean we conclude impact. Our two values are connect and impact. As we connect with God, he impacts our lives. He then sends us to connect with others and impact their lives with the gospel. And just because we're ending the series doesn't mean, in fact, that can't mean that we stop connecting and impacting. You know, one of the great ways that we can do that over these next few weeks is with our Christmas Eve services. You know, we still have many volunteer openings, and so if you could somehow arrange your schedule, stop at the hub, let them know what availability you have. They have a long list of ways you can connect with people and impact them by just coming to church. Add an extra service to your schedule. Attend one, serve one, invite people to all of them, and we can do that in the next few weeks. Well, we're concluding our impact series, and in the series, we walk through John's three letters. Actually, we're doing the third one this morning. And John 1, very first John, second John, and third John. Now, I hesitate to do this, but I'm going to kind of ratchet up my courage here, and I'm going to ask, how many of you did the homework of reading through first John, you may have added second and third John, five times during these past few months? Raise your hand. Well, that's pretty impressive. I right, put your hands down. Now, here's the harder one. How many of you actually memorized the five verses or in process of memorizing the five verses during the series? Oh, we, very good, very good. You still have time. I mean, there's no um, thing that says you have to do that during the series. Maybe do it by the end of the year. I would encourage you, pick a section of Scripture, read through it regularly, repeatedly, and then pick some things out that will help you remember bigger sections and memorize those. Well, in 3 John, um, we've got a series of case studies. Now, I don't know about you, I kind of like case studies because it gives you lots of detail. You know, it's one thing to get the theory. It's another thing to see how the theory is getting kind of worked out in practice. 1 John gives us a lot of theory. In fact, 1 John says how God impacts someone is with truth. He then changes their life and calls them to go and love well, what does that actually look like? Well, in 2 John and 3 John, we get pictures of application, what that looks like. And in 3 John, we get case studies of leadership. Now, I hesitated this week to put leadership up on the word because some of you are sitting there thinking, well, I don't have a position of leadership, therefore I can take a nap for the next few minutes. No, no, no. Maybe the best synonym that we have for leadership is just influence. Every one of us are leaders in certain contexts. And so where do you get to influence? In the home, in your school, in your community, in your place at work, with people you meet. We are all in relationship and we are influencing people in one way or another as we interact with them and as we connect with them. Another way to say it, as we connect with people, we are impacting them for good or for ill. That's why we added the phrase at the end, we want to connect with people and impact them with the gospel. We're always impacting and being impacted. Are we connecting and impacting with the gospel? Well, let me mention just a couple of similarities and differences before we get started. Similarities and differences between 2 John and 3 John. Uh, this is just a way to review from last week in case you haven't caught that. Uh, they're the two smallest letters in the Bible. In fact, 3 John is the shortest book in the entire Bible. 219 words, that's all that there are. Uh, we'll read it in a few minutes just so you can get the context of it. But here's the difference. Second John is written to a church and to the members of the church. 
Third John is written to an individual, and three individuals are mentioned. No individuals are mentioned in Second John. In Second John, it's negative. John writes, and he says, don't show hospitality to this group of people. Third John is positive, John says. Show hospitality to these people. In fact, we kind of need second and third John together to balance that. If you only have second John, you're kind of on the lookout for people that aren't measuring up so you can slam dunk them and not show them hospitality. If you only have third John, you kind of think, oh, I need to be showing hospitality and opening, supporting everybody. You need them both together. Negative, don't show hospitality. Don't support this, but support that. That's kind of how they fit together. Well, where are the characters? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to 3 John. It's a little tiny book, right? The smallest book all the way in the back. If you get to Revelation, that's too far. Go forward a little bit. You'll eventually come to Jude. That's another little short book. Then come to 3 John, and I'm going to read those 219 words. Here we go. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that it may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner worthy that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so now with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Short little postcard. We're going to use the people mentioned as our outline. It's kind of like a, John gives us a commendation sandwich, right? We get a commendation, the first slice of bread, condemnation, that's the middle, kind of like hot sauce in the middle. Then you got commendation on the bottom. So it's commendation, condemnation, commendation, three case studies in leadership. Well, the first one is a commendation, and that commendation goes to Gaius. Now, again, let me kind of tell you the problem or the situation that John's writing about in 2nd and 3rd John. Some teachers went out, some traveling teachers. And remember, you know, there weren't restaurants, there weren't hotels, there weren't motels. I got two emails this week saying, Charles, you said there were no hotels and no motels, but the Christmas story says there was no room for them in the inn. 
There were in. No, that's actually not true. It says there was no guest room. That's the technical definition there. And what it means is nobody had a spare bedroom or nobody was willing to put them up. Nobody was willing to let them stay in the barn. There were no hotels and motels. There were no spare rooms when Joseph and Mary got to Bethlehem. That, that's what's being said. Just to clear up that, no more emails this week, all right? <laughs> so here's what's happening. Some of these traveling teachers, these missionaries go out, and Gaius, one of the church leaders that John's writing to, he's receiving them. Now, these leaders go out, these teachers go out, usually with a letter of commendation, kind of like a reference letter, right? And so you show up, and they would have the letter of commendation and say, hey, I know you don't know me, but here's a letter from John. We both know John. And he says, you know, I'm really a good guy, and I can check the right box. Therefore, would you please show me hospitality? Well, Gaius is showing hospitality. Gaius gets the reference letter, says, I know John. Yeah, this is John's handwriting. John's encouraging me to take them in, so I'm going to do that. On the basis of John's faithfulness, trustworthiness, I'm going to take in the traveling teacher, show them hospitality, support, encourage, give them a place to stay, give them food to eat, kind of a base of operations. Gaius is doing that. So he's following uh, what John is saying to do, and he's commended for that. Now, we could say a lot about Gaius. I just want to say one thing. It, look, look at the verse there. John, John says something a little backwards, right? Here's what he says. Second line. I pray that you may enjoy good health and all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Isn't that interesting? John essentially says, hey, Gaius, I know spiritually you're doing really well. I want you to prosper and be in good health physically and materially the way I know you are spiritually. So here was my question. Suppose I were to pray for you. This, I'll take prayer requests to the bank. I'm going to pray for you this week. And suppose my main prayer for you is, I pray that physically and materially you prosper to the degree you are prospering and are healthy spiritually. Would you want me to pray that prayer for you this week? But I want you to pray that prayer for me this week. Would, would that mean you'd soon be in a hospital? ICU? Emergency room? Funeral director? <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm going to pray. John says, I pray that you would prosper physically and materially the way you are spiritually. Boy, that's not often how we think and pray, is it? Most of our prayers are concerned with physical and material. We rarely even pray for spiritual, let alone have our spiritual lives doing so well that someone could pray or we'd pray for ourselves. I want to do as well physically and I want to do as well materially. It's great to pray for those things, but I want those things to go as well as my spiritual life is going. Wow, a little bit of a challenge. Well, we better move on from that. That hurts too much. Um, let's get to the condemnation part. So before we uh, move much further, all of a sudden we're introduced to our second character, and his name is Diotrephes. Now remember, Gaius is commended, 
The traveling teachers come to town, the missionaries show up, and Gaius reads the letters of reference from John, takes them in, shows them hospitality, prays for them, supports them, shares meals with them, gives them a base of operation, and John says, well done. But then we meet Diotrephes. Uh, Move the slides a little bit. Next one. Here we go. Next one. Here we go. Now, here's what it says about Diotrephes. I wrote to the church. So here's what John says. I wrote the letter of recommendation. I sent the commendation letter. I gave it to the traveling teachers. They showed up at the church where Diotrephes is the head, but he didn't welcome them. He said, oh, this is from John. Who cares? He rejected John's reference. He turned the traveling teachers away. But look at the next few sentences. He's spreading malicious nonsense, not satisfied with that, when he finds someone that welcomes and supports the traveling teachers that are recommended by John, if they support them, he throws them out of the church. Gossiping maliciously, rejecting John's letter of recommendation, throwing people out of the church that are going. His actions are opposite living the grace and truth of the gospel. But remember with Gaius, we, Gaius, we talked about kind of inside, outside. The outside was he was welcoming the traveling teachers. He's supporting them. He's encouraging them. He's praying for them. He's giving them a place to stay and something to eat. And his actions come from a soul, a spiritual inside that's healthy. What's the first thing John tells us about Diotrephes? He loves to be first. Maybe when he receives the letter of recommendation from John, he says, who does John think he is? I'm the leader here, not John. He wants to be in control. He wants to be the center of attention. He wants to seat at the head of the banquet table. He wants to be first. And even John's recommendation isn't going to pry him from his position. And out of that inner sewer of wanting to be first, that prideful center, come all of the actions that we read. So it's the inside that's generating the outside. It's the loving to be first that's causing the malicious nonsense to be spread. They're not accepting and showing hospitality. It's the inside that's rotten that's causing the bad fruit on the outside. That's true with Gaius. Good roots on the inside, a healthy spiritual life, brings healthy fruit. In Diotrephes' life, it's the same principle. A rotten center is producing rotten fruit. Well, let's move on to the third character we meet. His name is Demetrius. Now, as best we can tell with Demetrius, he's commended, by the way. So we move on to the third part, uh, the illustration of a a commendation. Next slide. Here's what, what we read about Demetrius. Now, before I read it, it seems like Demetrius is the one delivering the letter. So just like Gaius and Diotrephes had traveling teachers show up with a letter of recommendation, it seems like Demetrius now comes from John with a letter of recommendation. Now, the deliverer of the letter wasn't just like the Amazon guy. Um, He explains, interprets, fills in the gaps, provides color for what's going on. So Demetrius, 
most likely coming from John, delivering the letter. The letter serves as a reference for him. And it sounds like that when we read it. Dear friend, that's Gaius. Dear friend, Gaius, do not imitate what is evil. That's the meat, that's Iotrophes. But what is good? Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil is not seen God. Demetrius, he's the guy who just delivered the letter. Demetrius, he's well spoken, well spoken of by everybody. And even by the truth itself, we also speak well of him. And you know that our testimony is true. So in a sense, he's saying, hey, Gaius, don't be influenced by Diotrephes. I'm standing for, I'm vouching for, I'm being a reference for, um, for Demetrius. Take him in, support him, encourage him. He will explain to you the details in the background behind the letter. Three characters, a commendation, Gaius, good job. You're accepting people. And I pray that you physically and materially would, would prosper the way your spiritual life's prospering. Diotrephes, he's a train wreck. He's doing nasty stuff on the outside, producing rotten fruit because there's a rotten inside. It's that rotten center, that root, that's causing all the rotten stuff on the outside. Be like Demetrius. He's got a good center. He's living, he believes the truth. He's living the truth. A good center producing good fruit. Well, I want to look at one more case study. Some of you are probably thinking, Charles, only three people mentioned. Where are you going to get the fourth case study? It's in the book. It's in the letter. How about the author? How about the author? John's in the book, right? And here's what I want to say about John. Third John, in my opinion, is clear evidence that John is continuing what Jesus started. As I was reading Third John, I, I guess toward the end of the week, I, the wording sounded familiar to me. And the wording kind of goes like this. Gaius, welcome and show hospitality to the people that are coming. Welcome them. And, show. and I kept thinking, huh. John, you check this out later today. Eagle's going to be bad. Um, <laughs> John used to be called a son of thunder. Remember that? Jesus gave nicknames to lots of people, right? He gave, you know, Peter named Rocky and Sons of Thunder. He called this guy Red, right? Not lots of nicknames. Jesus liked nicknames. He called John and James Sons of Thunder. And in Luke chapter 9, we're given an illustration as to how John earned the name. And here's where the wording connected for me. Here's what it says. Jesus and the disciples are traveling from Galilee in the north to Jerusalem. Jesus is moving to Jerusalem where he's going to be executed, right? He's and they're going through a Samaritan village. And here's what it says in Luke 9. And no one in the village welcomed them or received them. That's the same language there, John. That's that hospitality language. No one in the village welcomed Jesus and the disciples. No one received them. Yet, no hotels, right? No restaurants. You're depending on hospitality. They're going from Galilee to Jerusalem. They need to stay somewhere. And no one in the village received them or welcomed them. You know what John says? Jesus, do you want me to call down lightning from heaven and nuke the whole village? That's what he says. Do you want me to, just, do you want me to pray that we destroy the whole village because they didn't show us hospitality? My, how John has grown. You don't read any of that in 3 John, do you? 
In fact, you don't even read this. Diotrephes is throwing people out of the church who won't show hospitality. When I get there, I'm going to throw his butt out of the church. He doesn't even say that. He doesn't say he's going to excommunicate him. doesn't say he's going to slam dunk him. He says, when I come, I call attention to what he's doing. My guess is behind that is years and years of encouragement, decades of encouragement, walking with Jesus, failing, being found out in sin, repenting, and finding grace and forgiveness. And John's goal is, even for diatrophies, when I come, I call attention to what he's doing. And my goal is, he would see how far his inside is from where God wants it to be. He would repent. The inside would change. And the outside would change. That's transformation, friends. John continuing what Jesus started. He's experiencing it. Now he's extending it to the church. Well, as we end the series and we end third, John, I've got a couple of questions. I was going to say lessons, but since I had to ask and answer these questions this week and it was very painful, I figured I'm going to put you through some pain these next few years. Some of you think we've already been in pain for 15 minutes now, John. Well, you're going to have pain for a few more. Here's the first question. Whom do you most resemble in third, John? Um, the Bible really serves as a mirror and a window. It's a window in which we see God and the glory of salvation, how our sin is disgusting to God and how the length God went through to forgive us. But the Bible is a mirror. In its pages, we see our own reflection. Do you most resemble Gaius? Your inside is healthy. Spiritually, you're walking with God, you're, you're connecting and impacting, and you're extending, you're welcoming and sharing. Do you most resemble uh, diatrophies? You love to be first. You want to call the shots. You don't even want God in that seat. You want to be in his seat, right? You want to give God a few things, a few orders for the day. You know, does your prayers in the morning often sound like, you know, giving God marching orders? You know, God's not interested in getting in step with your plan, but that's often how we pray. Do you most resemble Demetrius? Everyone speaks well of who he is and what he's doing. Do you most resemble John? Somebody who's experiencing that transformation. Yeah, some bumps along the way, but you're not where you were a year ago, two years ago, five years. You're growing and you're different. Whom do you most resemble? Second question is one we've hinted at a couple of times. Are you balancing the inside and outside? I can't tell you how many times this week I thought about the, uh, I prayed that your physical material life would go as well as your spiritual life's going. And I've used that a little bit of a rubric. I confess to all of you, I pray much more for the physical material um, needs of other people than I pray for their spiritual growth and change. I pray the same thing for myself. It shouldn't be. Are you balancing inside and outside in how you're living? Do you dedicate the same amount of time and resource nurturing the spiritual as well as the physical and the material? Do you pray for others inside the spiritual as well as for the material? You know, at this time of year, it is so easy to be externally driven 100%, right? We need to stand against that. Pray, you know, balance 
inside and outside. It's not eliminate one. When, when we pray for physical needs and healing, we're doing what the Bible tells us to do. When we pray for the material needs to be met in people, like give us today our daily bread, we're doing what the Bible tells us to do. But the Bible also says we need to be praying for spiritual growth and change and connection and impact. We need to add those things to our prayers. Third question. Are you faithful with what you've been entrusted? I said there were four case studies, right? So we looked at Gaius and Diotrephes, Demetrius and John. Demetrius was not responsible to be a really good apostle. John was. Gaius was not responsible to deliver the letter from John. Demetrius was. John wasn't responsible to lead the church and influence it the way Gaius and Diotrephes were. We've all been given a certain select responsibility. We have certain things that we've been entrusted with. Are you faithful in the things you've been entrusted with? Not with something else. And the last question. You need to make any changes? Whom do you most resemble? Need to make any change? Are you balancing internal, external? Need to make any change? Are you faithful with what you've been entrusted? Or do you need to make any change? I read a, I read a story at the end of the week. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. It was about a pastor. And he came home from an elders meeting, and he's been through a pretty tough season of ministry. And he came home, and his wife was in bed. The TV was on, so she wasn't sleeping yet. He went over and took a bottle of wine. And he opened a bottle of wine. He took two glasses, went into the bedroom, sat on the bed next to his wife, handed his wife a glass, poured two, held up his glass, and he said, uh, to heaven. And his wife said, uh, oh, did the meeting, it was an elders meeting, did the meeting go that well? He said, heck no, it was awful. That's why I said, to heaven. One day, we won't have to deal with the sin in our lives that we're dealing with now. One day, we won't have to deal with the brokenheartedness that our families experience and the misunderstanding and the filth that we're put in because of other people's sin and what's happening in our culture. One day, the physical ailments and the strains will all be gone. And one day, all the relational hurts will be healed to heaven. But until then, stay sober, connect, impact, continue what Jesus started from here to heaven. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for just this little slice of what life must have been like in a small church in Ephesus, experiencing some really big problems. Lord, I pray that you'd help us when we read the scripture and even as we do that today, to ask whom we resemble to treat the scripture as a mirror. Help us as well to look beyond the mirror, to see you through the scripture and your awesome plan of grace and forgiveness. Father, thanks for all you've given us in Jesus. Help us to live well, connect and impact from here to heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.